Hey, everybody. You know, Steve and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and a whole lot longer than that as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, to heal betrayal trauma, and to reclaim your relationship. And we've gone ahead and poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you guys have done on your journey for healing and recovery, we guarantee you have never done anything like this. You know, we've made all the mistakes so you don't have to. Please don't reinvent the wheel. Guys, come on, let's get real. Tomorrow never really comes. Don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PBSC Podcast. Mark Castleman and Steve Moore here. Great to be with you today. It's uh, We're here with episode 142 on the podcast today where we get raw and real about all things sexual. Mark and I are sexual open books and uh, <laughs> addicts in long-term recovery, therapists with over coming up on 40 years of experience here combined. We've, uh, we, we love addressing challenges and issues. And today we do actually have a question. Uh, from from a listener when you said to... we're sexual open books I, yeah. I still have a tinge of anxiety that pops up <laughs> in me when you say that <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> like are we <laughs> I, think, I think i'm so i think i'm so sexually desensitized now <laughs> that's what it is more, more than i would care to admit but anyway oh. um but yeah no it's great to be with you guys today Here, here's the question that we got we we received a uh a, a submission from from someone it's a it's the wife of a couple um, the quick the quick version before I just read a portion of her submission is as follows. Uh, he has a strong history of past sexual addiction, including porn, prostitutes, uh, some fairly grievous behaviors. Uh, they began working on things uh, and, and addressing that in various ways. And uh, according to her and according to him, that, that behavior stopped uh, over two years ago, which is awesome. If that is in fact the case, we, we totally applaud that. And then this is where uh, she kind of begins from there. I've heard the term sexual anorexia, and this describes him, meaning her husband, to a T. He has parental issues and such that need to be addressed. I ask because I've been, she's referencing, you know, uh, she's, she's talking about concerns having to do with his libido. Um, uh, I add, let's see, I'm going to skip forward here just a little bit. Uh, I seem to, let's see, you guys are always talking about wives setting boundaries around not having sex until feeling safe. But I have the opposite issue. He never wants to have sex with me. He wants to be in a relationship, but I don't think he sees me as a sexual person anymore. He's always trying to stay busy. Work is always an issue. He avoids any romantic situations. He doesn't touch me other than a quick kiss and a hug here and there in the morning and at night. We get along great. Uh, we live together and work from home. 
but no connection, no intimacy, and no sex. Literally like roommates. I guess I just feel uh, left out because I listen and it, all, it seems to always be uh, the sex star of men and they don't want to be denied sex. Uh, so she's kind of referencing what we talk about on the podcast oftentimes having to set boundaries around sex, you know, at the beginning of recovery and things like that. But what about the opposite side of the spectrum? I'm going to address our boundaries and therapy again as our last resort. Hopefully that's a little more clear for you guys. Mm. So we have this opposite problem, right? Which contrary to popular belief is actually more common that in our offices than many of you might think. I know for many of the spouses out there, you know, listening addict who are involved with an addict or, or not for that matter, typically, you know, the stereotype is, you know, how do I get him to not pester me so much, much less the other way around. So uh, here we go. Let's jump yeah, into it. It's, and it's, yeah, it isn't that unusual. And there's a lot of reasons why this could be going on. Yes. And Steve, as we were, uh, you know, talking about this before the podcast today, you brought up a excellent place to start, which is too often overlooked. And quite frankly, for us as guys, this is an area that we resist. It's embarrassing. It's awkward. It's, an, it's inconvenient. It, we might think it's expensive, <clears throat> but it's the whole issue of your health. Right. Yeah. So things we would ask about this guy is, you know, what's his age? And if he's getting up there in years, you know, if he's in his late 40s, 50s or older, what are his general health issues? When was the last time that he went in for a full, full physical? Is he on medications that could be attached to these kinds of challenges? Yeah. And Steve, as you, as you often so wisely say, he needs to have his testosterone and thyroid levels checked. Yeah. He needs to go in and look at that, have a full blood workup. And let's see what's going on with him physically. Mm-hmm. First place to always look. Yeah. For those of us in first world or more modernized countries, um, this tends to be oftentimes a real problem. I'm noticing more and more. I don't have like direct evidence other than just some research that I've read to back it up. But I have noticed that with my clients, ha- working with clients in multiple countries at once uh, right now, that definitely there's a higher prevalence with my Americanized clients or American clients, North American clients. With these types of issues and i've read enough about different studies about a lot of all the synthesized foods that we eat you know mm-hmm. and the different additives and the things that go in here it's shocking mm-hmm. how many of the men that i work with when they go go into a doctor and oftentimes that they haven't been you know for a physical in like a decade so this is really something <laughs> that ought to happen anyway mm-hmm. but but i would say 70 percent of the time when this is an issue one or both of those levels are off um and that's a great place to start. Uh, oftentimes, we want to jump to all the mental stuff, but you want to just check the box on those other things. Um, one thing that I will say about that is, and the medications, of course, a lot of those can can definitely repre- repress libido. But just saying something about the age really quick. Um, this is kind of a complicated one. Oftentimes, when Mark and I will work with guys, and we don't know anything about this guy's age or this couple's demographic, but you know, by the time a couple hits our office, and they begin seriously working on this issue, it's not uncommon for these issues to have gone on for decades. And during those decades of addiction, it's important to note that that man's libido or that addict's libido has been here, there, and everywhere. Some of it's been genuine and authentic as a way of connecting. Some of it's been addiction-driven. Some of it, you know, right? Like it's been influenced and affected by addiction and the emotional issues tied to it and other issues potentially all throughout those years. And one of the big challenges that I see with couples who have been dealing with issues like this for a long time is once they finally, and Mark, I know you see this too, is you know when they start to find healing, oftentimes they are in such a different place 
age wise and you know stage of life and all these different things from when they started this journey it's very easy for couples to kind of get a skew i think about their understanding of quote unquote what the normal should be right yes now, right like what should that look like if if his addiction for example began say in his early to mid 20s which is the case for me that's when it started up again addict since 13 but it's when it started up again if i stay in just active addiction for the next 15 years when I come out of that and I eventually that comes to light and my wife and I say we're to work on it and address it, my libido and levels are going to look very different. And it's going to be it's going to be kind of difficult to, for me to know what the real sexual me is. Yes. If that makes sense. And my yes. partner as well. Right. So that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good points. You know, we're re, we're rewired. Not just from the addiction, but as the as the relationship you know evolves and goes, and the brain and the body heal, and libido resets, your arousal template starts to normalize again. I mean, there's all these things. All changed. It can be very confusing. Can be very hard to put your put your finger on, and it it requires patience and time, right, to kind of evolve through this. The other part, you know, that Steve, you and I talk about a lot, and I'm really curious for this couple is. How openly have they been discussing this? Yeah. <clears throat> right? How many times do we talk about the fact that we've been married, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and, you know, we've had sex hundreds or thousands of times, and yet we've never really talked about it at a deep, intimate, everything on the table level. Yeah. Right? It's crazy, mm-hmm. crazy part of our culture, which often has, you know, re- religious connections to it. But we would encourage this couple and all couples who are experiencing anything like this. How how have you talked about this? Mm-hmm. Right? Have you have you talked about it directly? And have you have you told him, you know, with honest expressions of your heart, hey, here's what this is like for me. I don't feel like you're attracted to me. I don't feel right. I don't feel sexy. I don't feel like that mm-hmm. part of our relationship really exists. Where are you with it? What do you feel toward me? Too often we make all kinds of assumptions about this stuff and I'll work with couples where, where he or she have been going on and assuming what's going on and making, and, and all kinds of ruts happen in the relationship because I've been assuming that this is true of you, or you think this, Mm, or you don't feel that, but we don't get it all out on the table to actually confront it directly and find out what's accurate. Yep. You make a great point. Yeah. Talking about the, and obviously talking about these kinds of things are scary. Mark and I, we were talking right before the podcast here and I made the comment, you know, it is, and it is shocking how many couples have sex a lot, but don't ever talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that actually is quite common in many cultures where it's something that we do, but it's not something that we oftentimes discuss. And we need to really be opening up the door when it comes to talking about things like physical intimacy, like do you feel like there's an issue? This is what I feel like. Here are my fears around this, right? Et cetera. Mm-hmm. And kind of akin to that, because this is very this is very much along the same lines, and especially with a couple that's been through this, I know this can be super scary. And please, listener or submitter, whoever submitted this comment, uh, if you're listening, please do not read into this because we're not suspecting this, but it is something you need to check the box on. There is always the possibility, of course, that there could be some deception. There's some sort of relapse going on, which is subliminating his libido as well, mm-hmm. right? We don't say that that's the case or that it's even likely, but we would be remiss if we didn't say something about that. Definitely. And so obviously if that, if that sexual, you know, channel is just being uh, redirected, right. is a good way to put it elsewhere. Then of course that's going to show up as less for the two of you. 
Um, and so just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, and then, uh, you know, Mark, Mark actually brought this up and this is a great point. Um, because there's just a lot of truth to this when you look at, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that we work with and just us being human beings, a lot of these human traits will come out, you know, sexual avoidance is sometimes just the easier road, especially given where you may be at in, in one's individual or couple stage of recovery. Um, the risk of it's no secret. We talked a few weeks ago on the program that the thing, the thing that an addict, and to be fair, the thing that people on a fundamental level fear most in the world, if you cut it all the way down to just basics when it comes to emotional needs, is rejection, right? And putting yourself out there in different ways, including around sex, sometimes it's it's easy. I know for a lot of our clients that we work with to kind of get caught in this rut of, you know, that would be nice, but between the risk of rejection and you know just being a lot of work oftentimes internal shame this was actually a big one for me back in the day uh just even feeling like a lack of worthiness after recovery like i couldn't even approach my wife for sex yes i just considered myself so grateful i wasn't shuffling along the street penniless and single <laughs> in my bathrobe it was like the thought of me approaching my wife for sex was or if there's been there. problems with performance, you know, sure. last time Absolutely. I couldn't get an erection, you know, it, it can be easier to just avoid the whole mess. Yes. And this is something that I never, ever thought would occur for me. I mm. mean, through my addiction years and through, you know, the first 20 years of my marriage, <clears throat> this attraction issue or wanting to have sex, it was never an issue. I always had to regulate it, you know, put a stopper on it. But I got to tell you, over the last handful of years, I've experienced what I never thought I would. There are mm. times where it's just easier for me to not even pursue the sexual side. Yeah. Life yeah. is busy. I'm all tight. You know, I'm caught up in everything that I'm doing and I'm, t I'm tired or maybe I, you know, I don't know. I'm, uh, I've been having a challenging psychological week and it's just easier to quote, not go there. Yeah. I've actually True. found myself in some ways getting lazy sexually i know yeah even saying that in the microphone it's like what if you'd have told me that like even 10 or 15 years ago i called you i said you're insane that will never happen to me oh yeah but it has no i would agree with that and th and there are lots of other reasons why sometimes it's avoided you know the the list our uh, our question submitter mentioned sexual anorexia for those who haven't heard that term right it's an actual it's an actual it's best described as a downright aversion to sex right yes. or sexual behavior which, like Mark just mentioned, you know, most of us addicts, including myself, never thought in a million years that would be a problem that we'd have. Mm -mm. Um, you know, we'd have, there was a time when I would have paid a million dollars to have sexual anorexia because I would have cured all my problems. <laughs> Seriously. That, that would be much better. Yep. Um, but it is a very much real thing, especially when you start looking at these elements of shame or inadequacy or, or like Mark said, performance issues, that kind of a thing. Um, those all can get in the way. I know for me, one of the struggles was I came to the conclusion at one point in time that sex had caused so much damage in my life that it was just better to not even touch it. Yes. It was just like a, a hot poker that just was best left in the fire. Yep. And, you know, and that's easy to fall into. And so that, that could be a component. Well, and there's um, another aspect of this as well. My wife started to set boundaries as we got into healthy recovery and healing. And she said, look, yeah. I'm, I'm just not satisfied with this just wham, bam, thank you, man, ma'am kind of sex. I expect more of you, Mark, mm -hmm. right? be courting me and dating me. There are other aspects of our relationship need to be in a good place. 
So yeah. that we do come together physically. It's meaningful and it's holistic. Yeah. Well, having just said all of that, what I just described is a lot of work. And there's a part of me that says, man, everything else I got going on in my life, am I, do I need to pay attention to all of that so that we can have sex? Maybe we just want to have sex. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have to do all of that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, and, and it was, there was something interesting that was said, uh, just kind of a It was one of the last lines of, of this woman, this wife's submission. And she mentioned, you know, going back to therapy or looking closer at boundaries in the last resort. Mm, that yes, just kind of it's a last resort. Yeah, that just kind of hit us interesting. You know, therapy is a last resort. I I can get behind that statement. You know, therapy is expensive, takes a lot of time. Uh, getting in with one that you trust. These are all challenges um, that you know it, it, that are very real. And there may even be challenges with with the spouse sometimes addressing it. I'm not sure exactly what the issues are for for this couple or why that might be a hesitation. And while we would absolutely recommend therapy, hot dramatic pause. <laughs> Everybody, uh, right now we're recording this. We don't oftentimes give dates to these. It's September 27, 2022. Those of you who've been listening to this co- podcast for a while know that we're our Dare to Connect program for addicts, spouses, and couples has been open and available for coming up on a year and a half. Uh, for that year and a half, the program has offered a lot of benefits, including a, a, an hour and a half of live content with us split into three half hour blocks throughout the week, um, including other like random videos, other forms of support through our DC vault, uh, core videos and things like that. Uh, with it being September 27, 2022, we are launching the newest iteration of Dare to Connect in five days here on a, six days on October 3rd. Mm. Um, our new Dare to Connect uh, plan will be going live. Uh, that plan increases uh, from a one and a half hours of content a month through the span of, of three half-hour groups or a week, sorry, to, yeah. to three one-hour groups, one for addict, one for spouses, one for couples, as well as two 90-minute 90 curated, professionally facilitated uh, support groups for addicts and partners where, where uh, our clients are now able to actually interact live with each other uh, via voice, which they weren't able to do before. Um, we are including a lot of new videos with that. And we have a brand new dare to connect app that is launching with this. I could go on and on all day. <laughs> I will tell you that right now, and this is just again, September 27th, 2022, when that program goes live in five days, the pro- the price for that will be $195 a month, four times the amount of value from our old price of $95 a month, uh, to, to, to that 195 price. I can also guarantee you that uh, we are offering that at an introductory rate and that that will go up. If you have not tried Dare to Connect, I know I'm going to be a little more forceful about this than I ever have been, but we've been going over the statistics about this and how much we're seeing this help people and the and the testimonies that we've been receiving. Please make a non-foolish decision and give this program a try. Um, we talk about cost. That's the cost. That's less than the cost of most therapy sessions, seeing someone specialized like Mark and I, a uh, single session. We talk about confidentiality. You're anonymous in our program. We talk about convenience. You can access it anywhere, anytime. You always could before on any device, but now there's even an app to just slipstream you into a world of content where we, you ask questions, we give you answers. We are changing the world of recovery, not to be too bold about this. And we have now truly realized our dream, I think, of creating a program that we always wish that we had. 
If you are in any way feeling like you need more support, may I humbly suggest that most of us can make $195 happen a month. Please give it a try. If it doesn't work for you, wonderful. It's a two-week free trial, but we we love our and care about our subscribers. Please come over and join us. Um, therapy, again, is great. Mark and I run full clinics and have cancellation lists running right now, but we want to be able to reach as many of you as possible and get into your homes as quickly as we can and be able to address issues and questions for you in, in with all of those benefits for a fraction of the cost of that traditional therapy. Um, so come join us with the world-changing revolution with the way recovery is done. This is the first program of its kind at daretoconnectnow.com. With yeah. that all being said, <laughs> Mark, talk about why therapy would be beneficial. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, I, I love what you said. I mean, we're going to six hours a week. Our Dare to Connect people are going to be spending six hours a week with us, which is like unheard of. It's, it's, it's amazing. No, I, you know, I, I would, I would wonder why she said therapy as a last resort, therapy and boundaries as a last resort. I would encourage you not to weaponize that or kind of use it as a, you know, if you don't get yourself in line, you know, we're going to go to therapy. I don't know if she was saying it that way, but, but it's easy to tend to do that. You know, one of the things to keep in mind as a couple is that this is a rebuilding process. As I looked at this couple's situation, this reintroducing sexuality into our coupleship, and not just the sex, but all the different areas of intimacy, all the different ways that we express love and affection to each other, it's very much a rebuilding process. Maybe we need to start dating and courting from scratch. Maybe I need to get to know you brand new, right? We assume that there's this wild, crazy attraction that I see you naked and I'm just like, I'm on you, right? Instantly. Well, but that's not how it works in, in most cases for most of us, right? Attraction builds as a result of all the other ways that we're pursuing and enjoying and connecting with each other. So look yeah. at this as a rebuilding process and build this. It doesn't have to be, you know, crazy. As one of my colleagues used to say, you know, crazy swing from the chandeliers, monkey sex. (laughs) (laughs) But it it can be very much more subtle and and probably should be more subtle than that. Maybe I need to get to know you for the first time, even though we've been married for 30 years. Maybe, maybe the little courtesies and and the little little connections and the little ways that I'm that I'm endeared to you and you fascinate me. And I just, I'm, I'm tickled by you and uh, right. All these different parts of a coupleship and maybe all that should lead in to the sexual attraction is trying to have it be the opposite. Yes. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we all value what we invest in guys. There's a real truth to that. I know with my wife, we've, our old, our old habit, we very much can resonate with, um, Brittany and I could resonate with some of what's been mentioned in, in this woman's submission. Um, we, uh, used to very much be roommates and we got to a point where a long, for a long time we were just civil and that was just fine because things had been so bad for so long that, you know, a ceasefire was preferable to where we had been. But when you, but there's a different, you know, I, I really hate this cultural no, misnomer that we have in the States or in the English language, this term falling in love. Nobody's a victim to love. You choose love. Um, I just don't buy that. I know, Mark and I know I've talked about this a lot. Um, you know, it's an action verb. It's not a something that jumps us in an alley. 
It's something that we choose and we get to decide. Um, acts of service. At, when was the last time you served your partner in a simple way? When was the last time that you you reached out or made that overture right to the other person? When it comes to kind of relationship standoffs, whether it's two people being roommates or whatever, as I told a couple not too long ago, somebody in the standoff has to blink. Mm-hmm. Right? Somebody's got to make a move. Somebody's got to be the one to put themselves out there a little bit. And I think we've given a whole list of ways to do that today. Um, I know we're just scratching the surface with this. Gosh, if there was only a program where people could talk about this for six hours with us every week and <laughs> get lots of in-depth info on in this, it would be tremendous. Oh, there please, is guys. No, you know. <laughs> if you like the podcast, guys, please really do. I, I'm, I, I'll be honest with you. We don't, we're not very good at marketing our own stuff. Mark and I do not do self-promotion well. If there was a better program out there for you, I would send you to it. I would. That's true. If there was something better, I would send you to it. But we don't know of one, which is why we made the one we made. Please come join us. <laughs> We'd love to see you at daretoconnectnow.com. Grab your, grab your free trial there. Um, thank you again, as always, for being with us on the podcast. Please do feel free to send submissions for, for questions. Uh, we love to give answers at uh, pbscpodcast.com. There's a contact form desk down at the bottom there. We'll go ahead and get those over to you. We really do love and appreciate all of you. Uh, Have a great rest of your week, and we hope to see you next week in Dare to Connect. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.